I want them to post Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 through 31. And then we're going to go to Luke chapter 21, verses 25 through 28. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, this is the teaching of Christ, it's in red. The sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And He will send His angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together His elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the earth, to the other. Luke 21, 25. Again, Jesus is teaching. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and, wave, the, the sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts will fail them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And then listen to this last line. It's what I'd like for you to consider today. Now when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads, because your redemption draws nigh. Everybody say, look up, lift up your head. Our redemption is drawing nigh. Father, we thank you for this word you gave us so many years ago, preserved for this hour and this day to give us direction, to give us confidence, to encourage us. Help us, O oh God, to lift up our heads and see what you're doing in the earth and rejoice because your coming is near. Can you say amen? At times like these, people always ask the question, what in the world is going on? Truthfully, I never thought I'd live through a bigger, worse hurricane than Rita. And here we are with the worst storm that Texas has ever faced. The last time, if there was a last time, a storm like this hit this part of the world, there was nobody living here. Uh, there, this was a barren, empty place. Uh, so this is a first, to say the least. And uh, at times like this, people ask the question, is this the devil or is this God? I mean, is it just the devil trying to destroy us or is it God punishing us? And all these questions need to be asked and they must be answered very carefully. Well, I know that um, there is an accumulation of tragedies upon us now without hardly even our notice over one and a half million acres of American soil has been scorched, fires out of control. On August 21st, we had the first total eclipse viewed from the entirety of America, viewed from the entirety of America in 100 years. Um, I believe that these eclipses are, are God's timetable. I don't really know exactly what they all mean and what they all trigger, and I don't, um, I don't get upside down and backwards every time there's a, a blood moon or an eclipse, but I do know that God uses these as His timekeeper for things He's doing in the earth, 
and they should not be ignored. On August the 25th, Hurricane Harvey hit. They're estimating it at well over $100 billion. Now Texas owns the first and second slot of the most destructive natural disasters in the history of America. First is Harvey and second was Allison a few years ago which flooded Houston. It was no accident the way the storm came in the south and somehow, uh, somehow covered the whole coastline of Texas. It was an amazing thing to watch and a terrible thing to experience. Nothing ever, nothing ever like it has ever happened. And then on September the 4th, a madman exploded a hydrogen bomb underground. A bomb that was so forceful that it was equivalent to a 6.1 earthquake. Not only was the bomb itself equivalent to a 6.1 earthquake, but that it in turn triggered a natural earthquake that measured a 4 on the Richter scale. Now, it just seems to me like when man becomes so powerful in his weaponry that he can trigger earthquakes, it's a different day. And so now we have an absolute madman with his finger on the trigger of a hydrogen bomb that is threatening uh, the free world. Atomic warfare is not as far off as we may have thought. And then on September the 7th, there was a deadly earthquake in Chiapas, Mexico, 8.1 on the Richter scale. What a devastating earthquake that was. And there was so much going on, so much going on, the news couldn't even cover it all. Many people have never even heard about the uh, hydrogen bomb, and others never even heard about the earthquake in Mexico. Last Sunday, we watched as Hurricane Irma, the second category hurricane in, in a week, make landfall in the Florida Keys and work its way right up the state of Florida. And it leads us to ask the question, what next? Well, I don't believe it's over. I trust that uh, we might have some sort of a reprieve, but it isn't over. When I read the words of Christ, they're very clear, they're very direct. They're profound, and they're a little bit frightening. He talked about how the sun would not give its light, and neither would the moon. He talked about how the stars would literally fall from heaven. And when they do, it didn't sound like it was going to be a romantic moment at all. We haven't seen anything to what will be seen before the second coming of Christ. He said the very earth would be shaken. He talked about how that the seas would, seas would rage and, and the waves would roar. He talked about the powers of heaven, that's the powers of nature, would literally be shaken. Before the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to see a lot of things that the earth has never seen. Things are going to happen that would be in the category of, of natural disasters that we can't even imagine at this time. So one bit of bad news. What happens next? It gets worse. As we come close to the second, closer to the second coming of Jesus Christ, we're going to see more uh, shocking events than the human race has ever seen. Are those fixing to happen this fall? I sure hope not. I'm not thinking they are. But I will tell you this, that the coming of the Lord Jesus is closer than it ever has been. 
And these signs are positive proof that we're moving into the times of the end. I will tell you that something changed in the 21st century. When we entered into this new century, 9-11 was the beginning of many more things yet to come. Um, it signaled that something had shifted in the heavenlies, that something had changed, and the timing of God was set in motion. Now, concerning the question, somebody have a coin? Anybody, I don't know, we don't carry coins much anymore. They won't buy anything, but anyway, I got, somebody's got a coin. So I'm always asked the question, uh, was this God or was this the devil? So this is how I answer it. If I hold up this, um, if I hold up this quarter and I ask you to describe it, and Bill steps up and he said, yeah, well, it's the profile of one of our presidents, forgotten his name, and uh, he would describe it as having a, an emblem of our, one of our former presidents there. And then I hold it up to Lisa and I say, Lisa, describe this quarter. And she would say, well, there's a soldier carrying a flag uh, on, on this side of the quarter. And I'd say, wait a minute. He said there was a president and you said there was a soldier. One of you is not telling the truth. Or they're not looking at the same side. And so when you ask the question, was it God or the devil, it's two sides of the same exact coin. And everything that happens in your life and mine has that dual dimension. It has that dual nature. On one hand, it is the devil. It's uh, storms are the result of demonic activity in the, in, the, in the heavenly realm. And the reason we know that is because we study the revelation where John the revelator saw demons coming out of hell. And then he reported how their activity in the spirit invisible realm affected what was happening on the earth. It affects the climate, it affects nations, it affects health issues, it affects the economy. But when these invisible demonic beings come out of hell, they come out with an assignment to death and destruction on the earth. It's what happens in the invisible realm. And so I believe that if someone says to you, I believe these storms are demonic, I'd have to say, I agree. But if you stop there, you stop short of understanding what's really going on. Now remember that God and the devil are not on equal terms. Uh, you know, the devil is a creation and God is the creator. You can't put the creator on the same level as something he created. God is still God. And it doesn't matter what happened to your life. He never ceases to become God. And ultimately everything ties back to him. He's at the top of the ladder of authority. It goes back to God every time. So as, a, as, a, as a, a, a man of God, I'm here to tell you that this storm was at least allowed by God to call America back to Himself. It was a message from God Himself. Now, the Bible says all good things come from above, from the God in heaven. And we know that all bad things come from the devil. But God uses everything the devil means for evil. God says, I can use that. I don't believe God thinks up storms and he doesn't think up cancer and he doesn't think up car wrecks. That's the devil's business. But when it happens, God uses those things to promote his plan in the earth and in our individual lives. 
You know, you study the story of how Joseph was kidnapped by his own blood brothers, sold into slavery, repeatedly rejected, repeatedly betrayed, repeatedly mistreated. It looked like he was going to get ahead and then he'd be knocked back down. Looked like he was going to get ahead and he'd be knocked back down. But at the end of his life, when his brothers, who initially had betrayed him, came to him and pleading for his, their lives, he said to them this powerful truth. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So in the same way, the devil meant it for evil. But God said, I'm going to use it for your good. And if you're facing a personal tragedy of any kind or, or, or caliber in your life today, just remember that what the devil means for evil, God will use for your good. We go back to Romans chapter 8, verse 28, where Paul said, All things work together for my good, because I love the Lord. I'm called according to His purpose. And if you can get a hold of that truth, then whatever you're going through is converted from destruction to somehow a benefit. Can you say amen? And so today, a storm is twofold. On one hand, it's the result of demonic activity in the, the spirit realm. And on the other hand, it's God calling America back to Himself. I believe that at 9-11, our protection uh, departed. Uh, the covering that God has had over America, the blessing that God has of America, was at least diminished. Um, you see, the Bible teaches that because we're children of God and we have a covenant with Him, that He covers us like an eagle's wings, and we, we hide in His safety and in His shelter. He's our strong tower, the Bible said. He is the shield. He, he is the covering. He, he is what protects us. It's an invisible protection that God puts on over our lives, and in this case, over America. But on September 11, 2001, I believe that the covering was raised and the enemy was allowed to come in at a level he had never done so before. And our lives have all been changed. And we're not even living the same lifestyle since that day. Since that time, it has been one record-breaking storm or flood or tornado or something ever since. Not to mention the war on uh, terrorism. Uh, not to mention the challenges we faced in so many areas of our lives. And I believe it is because the covering uh, has been raised over us and allowed the enemy to do something that he would never have been able to do. Remember when the devil came before God and God said, Have you considered my servant Job? And he said, yeah, I've considered him. You've blessed everything his hands touch. And you've got a guard built all around him where nobody can get to him. said, sure, he follows you because you take such good care of him. And God said, okay, I'm going to allow you to do what you will, but on a limited basis. I'm going to set some perimeters here. But Satan, I'm going to allow you to do some stuff, and we'll find out if he's living for me just for the blessing or he's living for me because he loves me. And so God opened it up, Satan goes in, and destructive things began to happen in Job's life, just like that. But in all of that, the Bible says that Job never, ever cursed God or blamed God for anything. So the devil goes back to God and said, well, uh, okay, 
So he hadn't, he, hadn't, he hadn't capitulated his faith yet. He's still following you. But all that a man has, he'll give for his flesh. And he let me touch him and said, he'll, he'll turn over right then and he'll, he'll forsake you. So God said, okay, I'm going to back up a little more. And I'm going to give you a, another measure of space where you can cause him harm. And we'll see if he's true to me. So God backs up. Satan rushes in. And before you know it, Job has lost everything. He's physically sick. He, his life has been destroyed. He's not even a, a shell of the man, and the life he used to live is all gone. And yet Job never, ever questioned God or cursed God in his heart or blamed God. And so at the end, you know the story, how God blessed him, and God gave him seven times more than he ever had. So in that, we see a picture how that when destruction comes to your life, when destruction comes to a community, God sets perimeters. God sets boundaries. God said you can go this far, but no further. Because He's still God. And He still creates a limit. And as big and awful as these storms have been, I believe God set a limit. And He said, Satan, you can't go any further than this. But the point is, God backs up. And, and when we don't follow God... When we get further and further away from God and our lifestyles do not reflect Christian principles and godly ideals and character, inevitably the, the protection of God is removed. And Satan is allowed to come in at a level that he never had before. And I believe firmly that that's what's happening in America today. Joshua and Caleb went to spy out the, uh, the land of Israel. They went to spy out the, uh, the land of Israel, and they came back, and they said, well, what did you see? And as spies, they said, we saw high-walled cities, and we saw armies of men that were absolute giants, and uh, they're a powerful force, but it's rich and fertile, and it's a great land. And ten of the spies says, we'll never take it. Let's go back to Egypt. And the Joshua and Caleb said, no, let's go in, because their protection has departed. Even though they had huge walls, even though they had giants, literal giants for their army, even though they, they were prosperous, the, the, Joshua and Caleb said their protection has departed. So they discerned that their time was up and that God had given their land to Israel and God was no longer preserving them, that His hand had been removed. So when their time was up, their protection was gone, and Israel went in and took the land. We have to be careful that we don't continue in the direction that we're going as a nation, the way the culture's going as a nation, because God is lifting His hand of protection on us. And God only knows what will happen next if America doesn't repent and turn back to God. You see, the world is passing away. I'd like to be a total optimist. I'd like to believe that things are just gradually going to get better and better until one day they're perfect. But to believe that, I would have to throw away my Bible completely. Because just the opposite, the Bible says, the world is going to get worse and worse. And ultimately, the world system as we know it is going to pass away. In the book of 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, John the apostle said, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world 
is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. The world as you and I know it is passing away. Man will ultimately self-destruct. Ultimately, Jesus Christ comes back and rescues the human race. Ultimately, Jesus Christ comes back and the saints of God inherit the earth. And secondly, we inherit the kingdom of God. And the Bible says that when He returns, we're going to rule and reign with Christ as kings and priests forever. The world is not going to end good. But the church is going to end victorious. And the kingdom of God is going to flourish forever. Now, some of my good colleagues believe that somehow the earth is going to uh, be burned and, and cast out into space uh, as a ball of fire. I do believe that there is going to be a lot of fire that will have a renovation of the earth. The earth is going to be renovated and remade. A purging is going to come to the earth. God forbid the thought of those days. But the earth, the Bible said, is the inheritance of God's children. This planet belongs to us. And ultimately, we're going to live on this planet. That's God's plan. For a thousand years, Jesus is coming back, and He's going to set His foot on this earth. As sure as He came as a babe in a manger, walked the shores of Galilee and the streets of Jerusalem, Jesus Christ is coming back to planet earth, and He's going to rule nations. Jesus taught that when He comes back, He's going to divide the nation like a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. There's going to be people living on this planet, and they're going to be ruled by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They're going to beat their swords into plowshares, and they're going to have peace one with another. And God is going to demonstrate how this planet can finally work together like He created for it to work. Planet Earth is not going to be a failed experiment for God. It will be a failed experience for a rebellious human race, but for God it's going to be a win because Jesus Christ is going to come back. He's going to set up His kingdom on earth. And just like there is a government of America, there's going to be a government called the kingdom of God, and He's going to rule and reign on this planet. So in the end, we win. All of you know me well, and you know that I, I do not teach a doctrine that says Jesus is coming back this year or next year. I don't know when He's coming back. I do not live with an expectation of the second coming of Christ immediately. But I know one thing, it's sooner than ever before. And the more of these cataclysmic things we see happening is only an indication that it's much sooner than we might have thought that it was. Jesus said to be like a woman having contractions. And uh, she's in labor, and the contractions start slight and far apart. And then as time goes on, the contractions get closer together and far more intense. And then somewhere along about seven centimeters, there's a transition there, and things get very intense, and they start moving very quickly. I believe that we're at the beginning of contractions. We're at the beginning of these birth pains Jesus spoke about. But at some point, that I don't know, but at some point, we're going to hit that transition of seven centimeters, and suddenly what has been moving slowly, it starts to move rather quickly. And it's in that last moments of delivery that we're going to see some of the worst, most cataclysmic things uh, that the Bible speaks of.
the world is passing away and the kingdom of God is going to take over. So what is God saying? Number one, God is calling America back to Himself. He's calling us to repent. For the course of my lifetime, America has just gradually gotten further and further away from God. We've rejected the Bible as being God's Word and the authority in our lives. We rejected God as having the right to tell us what is right and what is wrong, what to do and what not to do. As a culture, we've refused to be accountable to Almighty God. And as a result, we've broken the covenant that our founders made with God when they made this country an independent nation. Because we have broken covenant with God, um, these things are happening to us. But God is using them to call us back to Himself. Now, I don't believe there's anybody in this building that's away from God. I don't believe there's anybody in this building that has gradually moved from God. But as a nation, that's exactly what we're doing. And if you and I as the body of Christ cannot interpret or translate current affairs, if we can't speak into the situation, the world is never going to know it. You won't hear what I'm saying to you this morning on the evening news or the cable news. You're not going to hear it because there's no voices there. And if pastors don't speak the truth to the congregation and disseminate the truth through the congregation, America is totally oblivious to what is really going on. America, God is calling you back to Himself. Secondly, I believe God made a profound statement in the last two Sundays. It's just as if God says, so, you have other things you want to do on Sundays? I'll give you something else to do on Sunday morning. So for one Sunday morning, every church from Corpus Christi to Beaumont was closed. Do you realize how many Christian churches there are between Corpus Christi, Texas and Beaumont? Thousands and thousands, large and small, of every kind and caliber. And yet, on that Sunday morning, we were all closed. The lights were dark. The doors were shut. And people were at home watching the storm on the TV or evacuating wherever you were. We can't think of anything to compare that to in the history of America. When that many churches were dark on a Sunday morning. We've seen church close on Sunday morning for hurricanes and tornadoes and floods, and, but not all the way from Corpus to Beaumont. Do you realize how many thousands of churches were dark? How many millions of Christians weren't in the house of God for worship? Do you realize how many millions of dollars did not come into the kingdom of God on that one day? And do you think that was accidental? Do you think that was just one of those things? I don't think so. I think God was saying something about the house of God and the fact that our culture has become 24-7 and Sunday's become our play day, not our worship day. And church attendance in America just keeps on dropping year after year after year. Fewer and fewer people are coming to the house of God than ever before. And so it's, God's, it's like God said, okay, so you want to do something else on Sunday morning? I'll give you something to do. I'll give you a Category 4 hurricane and a flood like you've never seen before. And then last Sunday, I guess it was last Sunday, the whole state of Florida shut church down. There was hardly one church door open last Sunday morning in the whole state of Florida. 
Is it accidental that, oh, no big deal. Nobody had church on Sunday in Florida. Accidental? I don't think so. God's trying to tell America something. And America needs to get back to the principle of weekly worship. The principle of weekly worship. It's a 24-7 world, and I don't know how that's ever going to change. You have to work. You have to do things. You've got life. And oftentimes, life happens on Sunday. I realize that. But people need to understand that it's a principle that you set one day aside for worship. That you make sure that you build your life around a worship opportunity. Now, realizing the real world we live in today, you know, we're all careful. We've got multiple services and locations, and we give people options because we know how the world works. So it, it's not like it has to be 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. It, it, it could be Saturday night. But the point is, you have to have that principle at work in your life. And when America is too busy to go to church, it's an offense to God, and it's a statement about their spiritual condition. Well, let me move on. The third thing I think God is saying is remember the pattern of Noah's flood. But as, of, as the days of Noah were, Jesus said, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came, took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. What we learned is that God has a cup of iniquity, and when that cup is filled, then He responds. Uh, God will be merciful and kind and patient, loving and calling, but after a while the cup is filled and things begin to happen. And God destroyed a wicked society of Noah's day uh, with the flood. But the good thing is the flood was a line across the path and the history of the human race. The good thing was there was a fresh beginning and a new start after the flood. And God began to repopulate the earth with a righteous man's family. And all the earth finds its roots in Noah and his four sons, his three sons, excuse me. And so I think we need to remember that when these big storms come, they draw a line across our lives. Things change after every storm. Now maybe here we are three weeks out and you don't really sense a lot of change. But as you continue to live, you'll look back and talk about Hurricane Harvey before and after. Things happen to a storm and your life shifts. Something shifts in the heavenlies and things begin to change. And you and I need to look at it like a fresh beginning, a new start. And say, you know what, I believe something shifted in the heavenlies. And this is a time of fresh new beginnings. It's a time for us to recollect our faith and our values and our belief system, reorder our lives and make some changes. You see, when God causes a shift, it opens a door for us to, to make changes and to make improvements and to, to fix some things that's wrong. I'll just tell you that there's a grace right now for you to shift your life. On one hand, we're all trying to get back to some sense of normality. I'm tired of emergency mode. I'm tired of the stress of, of pain and sorrow and, and people in pain and hurt. You know, I'm ready to get back to normal. But at the same time, I want to use this as a time to send me and my, li my life forward. And I want to use this as a time to shift a gear and for something strategic to happen even in our church. Because when the flood happened in Noah's day, it was the, the, the beginning of something fresh and new. 
And that's what I'm asking God for in my own heart and life and in this church as a whole. How many would like something fresh and new to begin with us? You know, if we can just reach out and get a hold of it in faith and get a hold of it in our faith, we can bring it home to our lives. You can just speed along the the road of life and ignore the exit. Or or you can say, you know, something is, is open in the spirit here and you can capture it. It may be in your relationships, in your finances, your business, your career. I don't know what aspect of life you're focused on, but you need to look at this as a new opportunity, a freshness in God to shift a gear and to move forward. The fourth thing that I feel like God is saying in this time is lots of water means lots of Holy Spirit. There's no greater symbol of the Holy Spirit than water. Most often it's referred to as water. And so I really believe that all the water we've seen is an indication of what God wants to pour out upon us as a region. Why were we chosen? I, I don't know. I don't know. We, it was just us. He's speaking to America, but he's using us um, to speak that message. Uh, but I believe that, that this region is chosen for an outpouring of the Spirit. I've lived my whole life in expectation of that. What we have seen, what we are seeing... Uh, is just preliminary to what God intends to do. It's my deep conviction that before Christ returns, that there is going to be an awesome in-gathering, an awesome outpouring of His Spirit unlike anything the world has ever seen. And when I have these shifts and these times when God is clearly doing something, it always makes me believe that this is the moment, this is the hour, something rises up within me and I say, yes, Lord, do it again. In this 21st century, we have not seen a major outpouring of the Spirit in this part of the 21st century. We're about 16, 17 years old as a century, and even though we've had some wonderful moves of the Spirit, and I can show you churches and places and ministries that some miraculous things have happened or continuing to happen, when you look at the whole scale of the, of the, the history of the church, not a church or one church, but just what's happening overall, The 21st century has yet to have a real visitation of God, and I believe we're due. So, you know, you look at the intervals between great moves of God historically, and um, you try to establish how, how long are the intervals between great moves of God. Historically, it's just about impossible because there are different lengths of time. Some were just a few years and some were a couple of decades. But nevertheless, uh, we're due another outpouring of the Spirit in this country. There's never been a country on this planet that has had consecutive outpourings of God like America. At the Revolution, there was the first great awakening. Uh, after the, eight, uh, the 19th century was dawned, there was the second uh, great American awakening. And then at the, around about the time of the Civil War, there's what many call the third great American awakening. And then when the, 19th, the, the 20th century was born in 1901, the fact is the Spirit of God was poured out in a magnificent way. And the 20th century was 100 years of power and Pentecost and signs and wonders and miracles. And it was an amazing century. Then the 21st century dawns. And we're still waiting for a visitation in this century. Bishop Garlington believes that we're at the door. I sense a stirring that is exciting me deep inside my heart. I've made some personal changes and and gearing up and because I feel a sense of of expectation. And even as I I share these words with you, I I can feel uh, 
electric currents going through my body as the Holy Spirit is saying a great big amen and telling me that we're on the right track. I think we need to get our hopes up, get our expectations in place, and become sensitive to God. You know, you can get in a rut and a routine, and, and, and it, you know, you, your, your spiritual senses become dull, your spiritual ears become dull, your spiritual gifts get further apart. It's so easy to get into a very dull spiritual condition. It takes something like this to awaken us, to get us back on our tiptoes spiritually, sensitive and alert listening for God, to realign our priorities, to look at our weekly routines and schedule and make sure that God got His proper place, to make sure that our private devotions are in place, to make sure we're walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, being obedient to the Spirit. I'm just telling you, life can become a rut. And before you know it, you've drifted spiritually. It's not that you're lost. It isn't that sin has flooded your life. It's just you've become dull spiritually and you don't have that sharpness and that quickness. And uh, I'm asking you to join with me in getting sharp in the Spirit, being sensitive. God wants to do something great and wonderful for us and through us. It's certainly not just us, but it's whole region. Wherever the water went, God wants to bless. I say this by the Holy Spirit. Wherever the water went, God wants to bless. If it's your neighborhood that was flooded, God wants to bless your neighborhood. If it's your county God, that got flooded, God wants to bless your county. I speak a blessing on that, the area of Vider and over in that Mauriceville, Orange area, where they suffered so much damage. Some of you probably live over there. I'm just telling you, God wants to bless that area. A lot of water means a lot of Holy Spirit. God has good things in store for us, and we need to get ready for God to pour it out. This, this, this Harvey water is nasty stuff. It stinks. It ruins everything. I don't remember flood water smelling as bad as Harvey. I found out it was a Category 5, meaning that it's, that's the degree of pollutants in the water. Beaumont had dirty water. Has y'all's water cleared up yet? Can you drink your tap water yet? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Cautiously, right? I don't blame you. But for a week or two, man, you guys had dirty water. About all you could do is flush the toilet with it. Well, thank God, we need to flush the toilet. That's something. <laughs> um, dirty water. God wants to replace dirty water with pure and living water. For every place that filthy water of Harvey went, God wants to pour out His Spirit and let the water of the Holy Spirit fill those hearts and fill those homes and fill those neighborhoods. When you get down into deep Port Arthur, a lot of destruction. Some of you might live down there. A lot of homes flooded. A lot of people are displaced, not even able to come back into this area. We pray that Port Arthur would be revived, renewed, and refreshed. And everywhere that dirty water went, the Holy Spirit would be poured out. We pray for all the churches down there that they'd be blessed and they would be true witnesses of Jesus Christ. That every man of God would be a voice for God. And the power of the Lord be poured out in Port Arthur. Pour out your spirit on Port Arthur. Say it with me. Pour out your spirit on Port Arthur, we say, in Jesus' name. Thank the Lord. Thank God. So we say, Holy Spirit, fall, and wherever the water went, send your spirit. I want to close now. Thank you for giving me a little extra time today. Thankfully, we don't have a bunch of services to get to. We can just sort of relax here a minute. And that doesn't mean I'm going to go long. It just means I'm relaxed. So Jesus said, 
when you see all these things happening, look up. Lift up your head. Your redemption's drawing nigh. So, I mean, a message like I've shared with you today can just bury you like, oh, my God, the, the world's passing away and the, the stars are falling and, my God, it's going to get worse. Or Jesus said, no, that's when you want to look up your head and look, look higher and see that Jesus is involved and that Jesus is coming back and that God is still in control and God has a plan in the earth. You and I are a part of that plan. Lift up your heads. You know, um, these things put a spirit over an area, a spirit of depression and discouragement. I lost everything. I don't have anything left. Everything I work for is gone. I don't have a place to live. I'm living with my family. I, I mean, these things put a heaviness on it. But God's saying to the church, lift up your head. Lift up your eyes. See the good side of it. See Jesus in it all. See what God is doing. Know that God's got a plan at work. So I want to encourage you to lift up your heads, to seek God with your, all of your heart. If there's anything in your lifestyle that's wrong, correct it. Correct it. You know, if you feel like you just kind of drifted, you've got into some bad habits, and you've, you've, uh, you've, you've gotten away from some good spiritual habits, and, and you realize that, you know, you just have, have let, let things drift in your life. Get those things fixed. Get your life your week ordered. Get your routine ordered. Take control of your day. Take control of your, your patterns. Take control of your habits. Make sure you're replacing poor habits with good habits. Take control of your life. Use this as an opportunity to correct some things in your life. And there's something in your life that needs to go. This is the time to get rid of it. And be faithful in weekly worship. Be faithful in weekly worship. And seek God first and foremost. Seek the kingdom of God and see what God will do. I appreciate the way you worship today, your desire to enter in, and uh, that fervency is so important. When I go into a church service, I want to feel energy. I want to feel activity. I want to feel a dynamic that anything could happen, that God is in the place and He's working it out. And I, I want to encourage you to come with that kind of expectancy that you had this morning and that energy that you're worshiping with. It just creates an atmosphere where God can work. The gifts of the begin, Spirit begin to move. Gifts of healing are released. Prophetic words are released. But it, it, you, you have to have the atmosphere. I like what I'm feeling here today. I wasn't sure what I was going to feel. You know, you're always wondering what's it going to be like. But when I stepped on this platform, I felt the dynamics of the Holy Spirit at work. What a precious and glorious thing that is. You can close your Bibles now. I'm, I'm done for the day. And I'm going to ask you to stand. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you that no water came in this sanctuary, that you preserved it, kept it dry, so we could be here today as one family, as one church. Father, we ask you to forgive us of our sin, carnality, lukewarmness, pride, all those stuff that happens to human beings, we ask you to forgive us for those things, God.
pour out your spirit upon us in a great and a powerful way. Send a fresh wind of revival, a wind of renewal that will touch every heart and every home. Let this church flourish. Let Needleland flourish fresh and new. The seed that we're sowing now, Lord, we ask you to cause it to come up in terms of salvations and conversions. Trust us with your youngest, newest believers. Pour your spirit out upon us, O oh God, that we may be a reflection of you in the earth. Use us each and every one as a voice for righteousness and goodness, for love and peace, harmony and not division, love and not hate, forgiveness and not bitterness. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would touch us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Stretch out your hand in our direction, we pray in Jesus' name.